Chapter Sixteen of White Rose of Weary Leaf by Violet Hunt. This recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. It was three days after the ball. Dulce had been retrieved by the police on the road to Swarland Moor in a half fainting condition, with her wet, drabbled, tattered ball dress clinging round her heels. Impeded in this manner, she had yet managed to get the start of her father and the constable in the motor for more than a mile, for she had walked fast, and with the feverish determination of the partially alienated. The whole countryside was now convinced that Miss Dand of Swarland was mad. She was on the verge of becoming so. Such a thin borderline separates eccentricity like hers from absolute alienation." Amy meant to save her from this curse of lovelorn maidenhood. She stole into the girl's room one morning and contemplated her. Dulce's uneasy eyes were covered by the bloated white lids, but suggested peace none the more for that. Her nose with the touch of aquiline that dignified it, and gave her at her best the air of a clever intellectual boy, was whitened uncomfortably at the ridge. Her skin, tightly drawn over her cheeks, was scarred and blotched hideously. Ill health from below rose and stained it. The surface was not attended to as it used to be. She had been not so very plain. Now she was almost revolting. All this would go at once, murmured Amy, if, well, I must work it. Her own room and Dulce's overlooked the small and damp stone-paved yard whence, through the night, there had mounted to Amy from below, the querulous barking of a puppy. It was squealing now, faintly. Amy frowned and stooped, and without waking the sleeper, abstracted a key from under her pillow. It was seven o'clock. Hatless, shod, however, in strong working boots, Amy issued forth into the early dews and damps of the morning. In the yard she met a frowsy, undressed individual, who, when properly attired, showed well on the box of Mrs. Dan's carriage. He touched his cap, and Amy showed him the key. "'You have got all my things, Hodges?' she asked, as they moved together in the direction of a small, neglected-looking shed near the greenhouses. "'Yes, miss, the ointment and all. I am sure I hope it will do the poor beast good.' There was in the cold, bleak outhouse some scanty straw, and a young greyhound crouched in a corner. It licked, it nosed, it tore at its skin in a most distressing manner. "'Miss!' exclaimed the coachman in tones of horror. "'I doubt if we'll ever cure that.' "'It's a puppy. It's got just a chance. Be quick, Hodges, give me the stuff or she'll catch me. And mind, we're going to lose this key.' "'But Miss Dulce'll never forgive us.' "'I'll see to that. The beast mustn't die, whatever she says.' "'And Miss,' said Hodges, as together they attended to the dog. What about the St. Bernard pup? Is that the one that has kept me awake all night howling? Yes, it's in the little courtyard under your window. His kennel's too small for him. Take him out, then, and put him somewhere else. I dursn't, miss. She says on no account interfere, that she's going to take sole care of her own pets. Care. I saw her only yesterday feeding that pup with lumps of cold potato as big as your hand. And now, of course, he's got to have medicine. Are you to give it? Not on my life, miss. Forbid to touch it. Amy said nothing more, 
but carefully and methodically finished the greyhound's treatment. She and Hodges came out together, closing the door behind them, but neglecting to lock it. Amy then carefully dropped the key into the recesses of the cucumber frame, Hodges regarding her with increasing admiration the while. "'Now where's the puppy that cries?' The solid yellow ball, like an undersized nigger baby that came out of the half of a kennel in the yard under Dulce's window, certainly looked as if it never could be got in again. Amy put it down on the floor of the yard, and it fell over helplessly on its side. She looked away, and as if she were going to cry. Hodges was upset, too. "'The poor beast ain't got the proper use of its limbs, miss. Stands to reason, cooped up in a place like that.' "'I think that's rheumatism, Hodges. "'The yard is too dark and damp for it. "'Anyway, it isn't going into that yard or that hutch any more. "'Now what?' "'A window over their heads was raised, "'and a tousled head was craned out. "'Amy, holding the dog in her arms, looked up intrepidly. "'Put that dog back yet once!' Dulce shrieked. "'No,' said Amy. "'Do as I tell you. "'No. "'Is it my dog or is it yours?' "'Yours, unfortunately. "'I insist on being obeyed. "'I can't take up my time in stuffing a dog into a kennel "'that's too small for it to please anybody. "'Besides, it is ill. "'Put your head in and get some clothes on. "'I'm coming up to you to explain.' "'Dulce was lying on the floor of her room, half-dressed. "'Oh, misery, misery! "'I can keep neither a dog nor a lover. "'All, all are taken from me. "'Dear,' "'Don't touch me, you brute!' "'I will not, indeed,' said Amy, going aimlessly towards a little table, on which lay a half-finished letter in Dulce's affected staring handwriting. Her eye fell on it. She read it, seized, and tore it up. "'Amy, have you taken leave of your senses?' "'No, we'll both keep them, if you please. But you shall not buy more animals to kill. That order shan't go.' "'Shan't it? I can write another.' it shall not be posted. How are you going to manage? Are you going to lock me into my own father's house? With your own father's permission, and his key, if you persist. Dulce, be reasonable. These two beasts that you have got are the only survivors. You have killed six by neglect and want of knowledge, and all in three months. It is only a fad. You don't really love animals. Why not go back to collecting yellow books and wild poems? much more ladylike pursuit. How dare you chaff me, you underbred creature! Oh, God, how have you managed to get such a weird influence over me and over us all? You are like a vampire in this house, and deserve to have a stake driven through your body. I'll do it, too, and rid the world of you. We'll bury you at the crossroads. Dear Dulce, don't drivel. You had better make use of my weird influence, as you call it, I would do anything to help you, except help you kill dogs. Ah, drop it, you'd better. For the girl had seized a large black forest peasant knife that lay on the table, and flung it at Amy with all the force of which she was capable, and she was strong. Luckily her power of direction was weaker, and the knife stuck quivering in the thin partition wall beside Amy's head. Well, you did frighten me, said Amy, pulling the knife out of the old plaster that followed it in a thin, dusty stream. Now this clinches it. She picked up the puppy and reversed the key of the door so as to be able to lock it after her. 
she was careful not to turn her face away from the shivering maniac who had slunk into a corner and contemplated her with wild mournful eyes murmuring amy amy forgive me forgive me i meant to hit you jolly bad shot you are then muttered amy as she left the room it was a sunday morning mr dand was in his study the breakfast gong had not yet sounded look at this said amy quietly going up to him a saint bernard pup isn't it rather a fine specimen dolce's she put it down see it can't stand its legs do seem queer dulce has bought eight dogs since september six have died two are left this one's legs are atrophied and the other one is covered with eczema the others have all died in various degrees of torment yet she doesn't mean to be cruel you must pay mr dykinson what he asks you do jump from one subject to another but the sequence is perfectly clear to me and i will make it so to you dulce is going mad not because she is an old family she sneered sweetly but because you won't give her the man she wants he happens to be a cur and he won't take her without your money if he doesn't take her she'll go mad what are you going to do nothing i think in spite of your eloquent theorizing if the man's a cur dulce should not marry him if she is mad he must not marry her she isn't mad yet no of course she's not mad i don't for one moment admit that your diagnosis is correct buying dogs and neglecting them isn't enough to satisfy the lunacy commissioners of whom i happen to be one did you know that there are other things said amy vaguely other things on a par with the little inconvenient trick you have adduced i am not going to shut my daughter up or marry her to a cad on that she must go away and trail her misery through every watering-place in europe to come home at last incurable oh i have seen them and look here you would want me to take her i couldn't she hates me as you won't be convinced you must have it all she threw a knife at me when just now you are not exaggerating i tell the truth it missed you naturally since i am here he sat down his chin fell he played with a paper knife and spoke in a changed voice what do you want me to do get dykinson back recover him no then lose me i cannot stay here to be knifed you will have to let me go and get a keeper for your daughter lose you and do you think you are of value to me i don't think i know i am she smiled well you have a good conceit of yourself he rose and went to the window with his hands in his pockets amy waited he came back no it is true you are the only thing in the world i would not willingly lose mercy said amy as one receiving a too heavily loaded compliment do you know you quite overwhelm me i should think i did a woman doesn't get a declaration every day i meant it amy well then she replied seriously it is obvious what you must do meet me i ask nothing better where mr dan do be serious i mean in this you must come to an arrangement with mr dykinson and see what he will take to save your daughter from a lunatic asylum you put things crudely but i like it i like everything you do 
I never knew a woman with fewer absurd feminine prejudices. I wish I had a few more, said Amy, and then perhaps people would like me better. Didn't I say I loved you? Yes, but I meant outsiders, like, well, don't let us waste time. What are we going to do? You understand that I am not going to have you driven out of the house if the expenditure of a few paltry thousand will avert it. I don't care why you do it, if you do, said Amy. And meantime, pending negotiations with the bashful suitor, would you please forbid Dulce to buy any more dogs? I happen to know that she is cleaned out. Her allowance is due. Don't pay it. Back me up, and I will look after these two poor creatures we have already. And I must sleep in Dulce's room. That I forbid. But she can't possibly be left alone at present. We'll get an attendant. And drive her quite out of her mind? No, it will be all right, I assure you. I will tell you what you can do. There is a spare room next door to Dulce's. You might come and sleep there, and I will have the wardrobe which is at present in front of the door of communication moved. And then will you leave the door ajar? Yes, if you like. But really there is no need. I am not afraid of Dulce. I left her begging my pardon all over the place. She is sorry. She will simply adore me now when I tell her that I have prevailed over you. Now don't frown. I don't like the word prevailed. But still, said Amy, you would prefer me to be armed against attack as far as possible, and her thinking that would no doubt be my best weapon. Very well. Tell her what you like. You can take it that you have prevailed. And if you will tell me what I can do for you to show my gratitude, it shall be done. He spoke with unconscious magniloquence. Amy gathered up the puppy and paused on the threshold. A little idle smile was on her proud mouth, as if now that great and weighty matters were settled and done with, she had all the leisure in the world to chaff and laugh. This easy abolishing of strenuousness was one of her charms. She softly threw these words at him. "'You can raise my salary, if you like.' "'I will,' but his brows came together. "'How much do you ask?' "'Nonsense. I was only teasing.' "'Be easy. I have quite as much as I want. "'Do you really suppose I would be so cruel as to demand an increase of you? "'Do you think I am a miser?' "'I don't think. I know it,' she said, laughing. End of chapter 16 Recorded by Lisa Reichert